Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chairman. Good afternoon. Um, thank you very much for patiently waiting for us for this uh, important discussion. Um, allow me to say that we, the Greeks, have invented a lot of things and introduced to this world, such as philosophy, democracy, mathematics, medicine. But unfortunately, we did not invent the and did not found the marine insurance that was founded in London in the 17th century in the coffee house. So, um, interesting discussion on marine insurance and reinsurance, where it is heading. Allow me to introduce the panelists. On my left-hand side, Mr. Elias Sakiris, CEO and manager of the American Hellenic Hull Insurance Company Limited. In the middle, Mr. Kostas Ioannidis, CEO of Mars Cyprus. And on the far end, Mr. Stephen Cooper, CEO of Fourth Insurance Office. Gentlemen, I will ask my first question in line with our scope today. I would like to raise the question as a moderator, where is your line of insurance business heading? Mr. Steve. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, I will restrict my comments to uh, the management liability lines. And on behalf of the Americans who invented the class action suit and the securities derivative action, I will tell you that uh, we are seeing uh, an increase in, uh, in frequency of claims in those areas, but just moderate growth in the severity, which would suggest perhaps moderating and level rates. Uh, for those of you who attended last year's conference, I was privileged to be invited to a similar panel. And uh, I was asked to comment on the management uh, liability lines, and I made a forecast at that time that rates would be firm, perhaps with an upward uh, tilt to them. Uh, following uh, my statement, I received a question from the audience, and the question was, yes, rates are going up. Could you tell us when? And I predicted that Thursday at 4.30. And uh, since I am back again for the second year, my prediction was incorrect. It did not happen that Thursday at 4.30. But I said that for a clue to where insurance rates should be going, we should look to the capital markets. And with the recent uh, fourth quarter and first quarter of this year increase in intermediate term and short term rates, I think we will see a reduction in the capital flows into the capital markets, from the capital markets, which have allowed a very generous expansion and capacity in the management liability lines. So with interest rates going up, contrary to uh, tradition where higher rates meant lower insurance rates. I think now with higher rates causing capital flows to diminish, we have started to see an increase in reinsurance rates for the management liability, the directors and officers uh, insurance lines. Um, I will, however, tell you that on a marine cyber insurance, due to the influx of new carriers <coughs> writing this insurance, and due to the fact that the marketers 
looking for increased market share in this emerging line, uh, having uh, the will to overcome the desire of the actuaries to raise rates, we will continue to see softness and ample uh, capacity in the marine cyber line. So on management liability, we see rates and renewals going up for this year. On the cyber lines, kind of steady to lower. A recommendation for the owners and those involved in procurement is to seek out opportunities for perhaps renewals this year for a period of longer than a year. We think uh, there'll be a value to arranging for stability uh, in this market before increases become more market. Thank you, thank you, thank you, what's that? I think I will allow Elias to link on this one because we are bound to disagree. <laughs> well, uh, I think that there is no clear direction of where exactly, especially in how the machinery that the markets and the underwriters will be heading. I think that uh, uh, the low circle of uh, premiums have, I think, has ended but uh, still there is plenty of capacity in the market. Uh, a lot of underwriters tend to have different strategies, and uh, depending on uh, in, in which part of their life circle we find them, uh, these strategies will be defined. For example, the, the younger underwriters, the newer underwriters, will tend to increase their market share, so they are willing to make certain concessions as far as their pricing is concerned. However, the more established underwriters will uh, tend to stop the slide of the rate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ilya. Uh, Gosan, I will ask you the next, the next question, which is a follow-up question to my first one. It is apparent that the PNI market is currently in soft condition with near general increases mutual cashback, and reductions available. In contrast, the hull market has been showing signs of hardening. What are the driving forces behind this? I believe the ship owners would like to know and, and give an explanation and understanding of this unorthodox and paradox situation we are facing nowadays. Please. Uh, from our point of view on the insurance broking side, uh, there's a clear sign of uh, P&I clubs having excess reserves. And uh, these excess reserves uh, have been built up over a period of time. Um, and you know, as a mutual uh, organization, uh, going in tandem with the Shiboni membership, they have decided to rebate back some funds. Uh, whilst they are uh, trying to keep the rating base where it is today. Uh, on the Hall and Machinery side, uh, yes, there have been some signs of uh, stabilization, I would say. Uh, I will disagree with the hardening of the markets. This is not the results that uh, we have been able to show to clients, and this is a common consensus, I would guess, from uh, uh, the insurance broking world. Uh, there is this uh, overreaction from the London market, uh, which is uh, known and, and, and customary when things uh, are being pressed uh, at uh, 
literally very uh, competitive breaking base. The London market leads the way uh, to try hard and increase the insurance cost. Uh, then the Scandinavian market is trying uh, a little bit uh, less uh, harder to, to align. Uh, but in general, since there is uh, overcapacity around the world, um, in general, I would say the market has not changed yet. So I would agree with Stephen that uh, probably we will be sitting here next year saying that there will be um, uh, a hardening market. But uh, since the core market is still at uh, so low rates, and I'm talking about the shipping market, the underwriters will not have, unfortunately, the luxury or the uh, stamina to press the rates up. Um, uh, obviously, um, uh, they are fundamentally more careful and more thorough in their evaluation. Uh, and they look at <coughs> the long-term cooperation that they may have with existing clients. Uh, they uh, look at and, and, and vet uh, the management quality uh, levels and certainly performance-related uh, indicators that uh, would give them at least some ammunition <coughs> to impose some sort of increase. Thank you, Gosa, but uh, allow me to respectfully again disagree and use the word heartening. We pay them premiums and we feel that. So it is happening in the hard market and, uh, you know, we expect better work from everybody in the, in the broken side. So, uh, Ilya, uh, I, would, I, I would agree with uh, all of you. The thing is that uh, the hull market, especially the hull market, has been making recording losses for the last 20 years. So I think that the underwriters will try to find an excuse for uh, stopping this slide. However, I would say that the golden rule for this particular year would be that uh, uh, at least as expiry premiums on good records and uh, some uh, medium increases on uh, bad uh, claim records. Thank you. Stephen, would you like to add something on this? Yes, uh, I would. And I think that uh, we should not ignore certain catastrophic national, natural losses that have occurred outside of our industry, which could certainly have an impact while we all endeavor to have uh, good safety records and remain compliant and paint a picture for the underwriters that is as favorable as possible. Again, we're talking about the availability of capital and the rates of return in the credit markets, but let us not forget the fact that certain natural disasters, which will cause losses for reinsurers, will have an impact within our industry, even though they are unrelated. Thank you very much. My next question is, there is apparent pressure on deductibles across marine classes of business. Should owners be thinking of raising their retention by increasing deductibles or protect these at all costs? Is there sufficient incentive to be given from the underwriters to promote this? This is an oxymoron, in a sense, because the market is fairly low. So I don't think that uh, if I was on the other side, I would recommend that. Uh, I would love to see, as an underwriter, that uh, the deductible is going up. But uh, 
there is no real benefit for the owners to take such a risk when the premiums are so low. Uh, this is a discussion, uh, this was back 20 years ago when the captives were started appearing, when the deductibles were increasing in order to save, let's say, as far as the, the, the level of expenditure of the premiums. But I don't uh, think at this stage with the level of premiums that the owners would elect to increase their uh, deductibles, there's not going to be any real financial benefit. Costa? Uh, from our perspective, uh, as a guiding rule, uh, I, I, I don't think that I have ever recommended uh, any of our clients to uh, accept higher deductibles because it's a particular aspect of uh, the insurance contract that once uh, you, you get the deductibles increased, it's very difficult to negotiate them back down to uh, today's level. So for me, uh, and in line with what uh, Elias have just said, uh, I think the cost-benefit analysis in switching uh, to higher deductibles against uh, return in premium would be probably unworkable and, and economically not viable, unless, of course, um, uh, we're not looking at attritional increases in deductibles. Uh, very big uh, corporations now consider deductibles of 1 million or even, or even 10 million. And then within that uh, bigger retention, uh, there are other mechanisms that one can uh, put in place to protect uh, uh, a catastrophic uh, sequence of uh, claims that would result in a multiple uh, payment of that huge deductible. So only if uh, uh, a would want to see uh, deductibles of, of, of the extent that I previously mentioned would probably be um, uh, giving some uh, positive signs. But again, I think it's also a matter of mentality um, in the markets that I am involved, especially in Cyprus, in Greece, in Germany. Uh, any discussions on deductible is uh, literally out of the question. Thank you, Costa. Stephen, would you like to add? Yes, uh, I would urge uh, owners uh, not only to consider this an insurance question, that is the uh, advisability of uh, raising up the deductibles, but more of a finance question, to take a look and see how that cash can best be deployed within your business. If the cost of uh, capital is, is, is rather low, uh, perhaps low deductibles with, with higher premiums would make sense. But if you have a better use for that cash, perhaps it does make sense if there is a reasonable translation between increases in retention and drops in premiums. Thank you very much. My next question is a subject which is a very hot topic nowadays. And this afternoon and this morning has been touched either directly or indirectly, the cyber risk. Cyber risks are on the increase across all However, the MERSC attack brings this into a sharp focus in the marine context. Would ship owners be better advised to invest in preventative measures such as consultations, equipment, other security equipments, or in an insurance solution, on which there seems to be limited options at the moment? Stephen, please. I you touch on your first. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I don't think the uh, 
expenditure of funds on advice and advisors uh, to prevent a, uh, a cyber incident is mutually exclusive to purchasing insurance. In many cases, uh, in some of the broad form marine cyber policies, not only do you receive financial protections, but you will also get the kind of advisory services that will help you on a diagnostic basis to take the steps necessary to reduce the probability of your uh, experiencing a, a cyber event. Uh, again, uh, buying cyber insurance will not prevent an incident. Uh, preparation will. So for those who are considering cyber insurance and decide to defer it, do not defer the decision and the prudence of sitting down with response advisors, crisis consultants, IT experts, and extortion consultants to find out and to put together a plan as to how you would respond to an event as if it would happen tomorrow. Again, you can postpone the insurance decision, but do not postpone the decision to identify those advisors, those first responders, who will help you mitigate the cost of a loss. Thank you, Stephen. Costa, I believe that uh, the current insurance should absorb this uh, kind of risk and consider it as um, a reasonable extension to the extending coverage, at least on hard imaginary covers. Your thoughts on that? This time I want to go uh, ahead of Elias. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I totally agree with you because there is the tendency of uh, creating uh, new uh, products for new risks. Uh, we can go as far back as uh, coffers, uh, or the <coughs> KNRs, uh, where multi-million or billion um, new line of business was uh, suddenly appearing on uh, everybody's desks. Uh, and uh, if I may say, uh, the lack of the traditional insurers to extend coverage or produce themselves the necessary instruments uh, to cover for these risks. Yes, I do agree. The current exclusion from the uh, the primarily highland machinery insurance, uh, war risks insurance, and loss of hire of uh, cyber exclusion. For me, uh, it has been there by coincidence because it has not started from the marine spectrum, but uh, from the banking world in, in the States and found its way through insurances and then on the direct insurance, lumbering this exclusion uh, on, on the ship owners. So, uh, my uh, second port of call, the first being what has been discussed by Stephen and Lucas, which is the hands-on approach and uh, try to identify. The second port of call would have to be your existing uh, insurers uh, to be convinced to exclude the exclusion um, and um, position yourselves on your existing contract. This has uh, um, uh, benefits. Uh, First of all, the coverage issue is sorted, and secondly, if there is uh, an additional premium, then this premium is going to your current underwriters who are funding already uh, claims uh, on other aspects of the coverage, and therefore it will boost 
the Ukrainian pool that uh, is already an expense uh, to the, the shipping. Thank you, Gosa. I appreciate that, Ilya. Yeah, there are. Uh, I hear. Oh, I hear. It's not the first time I hear that Holland directors should exclude the cyber exclusion clause. However, there are certain technical um, restrictions to this, which is basically how to price a risk which you don't actually know. And uh, usually there has to be claims first, as it happened with fires, for example, uh, the Aden, during the Aden in Somalia. Uh, there had to be a few ransoms to be paid first in order to quantify and actually uh, price the risk. Equally, I think the cyber risk has a, another issue, which is the credibility issue. Especially for listed companies, uh, how can you make a claim, for example, that uh, somebody hacked your system and uh, uh, took over the ship and, for example, ran her aground or black out the engine or something? So there would be credibility issues uh, that uh, no one would like publicly to, to how can I say, to communicate. Equally, the, for example, if there is a blackout now in an engine room, and uh, this was a software failure, for example. It's not always malicious, the uh, cyber issues. are also sometimes a computer glitch, as we say. Uh, we will class it as calendar as an engine failure, not as a computer failure. Uh, equally, and the last thing I want to say is that how we gather the data in order to quantify there is There is no actual uh, representation. Nobody actually tells us if there are computer glitches on board the ship, for example. And I will... Uh, the last thing I want to say that in the NHS, when the NHS in England was attacked, the glitch was that uh, there were certain uh, softwares that they were not updated, or they were there, but they were not updated. In the ship, for example, that they don't have internet uh, access, there is a possibility that all these software is not uh, updated. So they are more susceptible for further attacks. So I would say that uh, before to cut uh, this short, is that uh, we need to have claims, we need to have losses, not to price this particular risk before we lift this exclusion. Well, I'm, I'm just wondering whether uh, yeah, you could give a, uh, an answer, because here in the audience you have uh, ship owners in short um, for Holland machinery, and uh, uh, the straight question would be if there is a cyber attack on board the ship and the ship runs aground or has a collision, would the claim be recovered? Now, uh, depending on the circumstances, for example, if, depending on the wording of the contract itself, if, for example, it involves the additional perils clause, which covers any accidental damage from any person. So uh, I'm talking about English clauses now. So this would be possibly covered. On the other hand, if there is a negligence on behalf of the crew operating a computer system again, this is a negligence which is covered. So I'm just saying that I understand the discussion about cyber, but in actual terms, that if uh, somebody from the crew doesn't read properly what's on the screen, it's not a cyber, it's a, it's a negligence itself. So I, I, I would say that uh, between us, that nobody listens, is that uh, this is <laughs> this is another product, let's say, I would suggest that requires uh, attention. And we don't actually have any data to actually say that this is how we're going to do it. So I would say that negligence and uh, grounding is a grounding. 
Uh, and I say I would say that yes, we can, uh, especially on the on the additional with additional pairs close. I think it's accidental in nature, so it will be covered. Thank you, gentlemen. There is no doubt that there is a still still a great area, the cyber the cyber risk, which is a lot of work to be done, and I'm sure that um, other opinions and, and suggestions, etc., they will be introduced in the future. Thank you for that. The last question is that um, with international insurance markets expanding into the marine sector, there appears to be a growing list of options for buyers, and indeed their brokers. What is the value of marine pedigree and quality security behind these markets? And is there is a balance to be struck in selecting your policy participants? Steven. Well, new entrants coming into a market always suggests more price flexibility, increased capital, and advantage to buyers. But I think in the case of the marine industry, the relationship between insurers and owners uh, is more than the case of someone going out and seeking a product that has been commoditized. There is an important service aspect. Uh, particularly when markets get hard, uh, the relationship between an insurer of long standing and a ship owner is truly viewed as a partnership. And that partnership cannot be affected when a new entrant comes into the market and seeks your business at a minor discount or some other price advantage. So I would say that the decision uh, to uh, consider a new entrant into a market should be uh, taken uh, uh, very, very carefully and seriously, and that in itself, a minor savings, should not be viewed as justifying the ending of a, a partnership and a relationship. Don't forget the service aspects that come with the relationship with your uh, hull and machinery underwriter, your P&I club. So while I think we should welcome new entrants to the market, it adds to stability, I think that uh, it uh, is a minor complication in the decision-making process for others. Thank you, Stephen. Costa, would you like to add something on this? Uh, I would agree with uh, Stephen. Um, basically, um, in addressing the issue of uh, security, um, big corporation, corporations on the insurance mediation side would have the security committee, um, set of analysts that will uh, analyze the financials of any new entrant. They have uh, uh, rating uh, bands uh, of uh, certain uh, level. They will also be uh, investigating the uh, promptness in claim settlement and so on. So um, uh, from our perspective, unless the underwriter has been vetted internally uh, in, in all the applicable areas, uh, we wouldn't be able to even propose to our clients to take up um, such security. Thank you, Costa. We have only three minutes left. And um, thank you very much for this interesting discussion. Um, I would like to say that um, I believe there is a stability in the insurance market at present and that uh, ship owners will be able to continue considering their options for more competitive rates and, uh, and premiums, including deductibles. And I would like to see that the highly machinery underwriters, they will extend the risk as far as 
the cyber is concerned, remain to be seen. Any questions from the floor? Police, would you like to ask something? <laughs> Mr. Tsamiris would like to ask a question. Except not actually in the form of a question, it's a comment. Um, what's happened so far, you've been talking about the idea of the insurance premium ratings. I mean, obviously very modern ships get ridiculously low premiums. You get a 30, 40 million dollar bulk uh, insured for 70, 80 thousand dollars a year with a 50 thousand dollar deductible. Would you think that maybe it hasn't happened at late, but you should place also more emphasis on the fact that the two factors. Number one, that sometimes older ships should not be unduly penalized. There are certain conventional fleets, very traditional fleets, which have ships of say 10, 12, 15 years old, which sometimes are misperceived as being a second-rate risk and sometimes it can be penalized. The second aspect which I find quite astonishing is the insurance market is that people have placed no emphasis on the terms of uh, cover. As you know, you've got the basic cover, you've got the old institute time clauses hulls, you've got the old institute time clauses as amended, you've got the Norwegian form, you've got the old American hull form. Personally, I find that the widest cover of insurance, the widest cover, the contract cover, is the old American Hull form, 1977. But you find a lot of fleets which have maybe 40 and 50 ships, and you ask what their policy terms are, and they kind of say, well, I've got institute time clauses. When you ask which one, some of the companies don't, are not even aware of the fact that the modified clauses are more restricting than the older ones. And of course, last but not least, as I say, the best trump card for a good fleet to have the widest form of cover is the old American hull form. Thank you. I, I would agree with Mr. Samuels on this. And uh, I would respectfully disagree with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> the widest terms available are based on either German terms or the Norwegian plan. And uh, there are fundamentals which is not the forum to analyze. But there is one uh, basic uh, factor where uh, uh, you can uh, call upon when you find me in the corridor, and it's uh, effectively the burden of proof. Both of these policies are always policies. Uh, that doesn't mean they cover everything, but by the virtue of uh, uh, their uh, sort of uh, uh, substance, um, the burden of proof. Uh, lies on the underwriters, not the ship owner. So the ship owner can just point the finger to the damage, and then it is upon the underwriter to disprove that this is a claimable um, uh, casualty or accident. Whereas uh, on the uh, American Hull uh, and in the London terms, it's a name, uh, name uh, perils policy, and the burden of proof is on the ship owner to specify. Uh, that the claim is launched under such and such clause. We had this discussion in the past, you and I, and you know that we still have very strong views on that, so we, we leave it on the renewal. <laughs> uh, um, any, anybody would like to ask any questions? Anybody from Captain, Captain Salus? Coffee time. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let's go for coffee.